The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks for salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Grab podcast. I am Mike Stevens from Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, and sitting virtually across from me is the one, the only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how you doing, champ? Doing pretty good. I it's may good. or may not have won a few dollars on the Euro. Um, but I wanted to start by saying, I know you always introduce me as the first female GM and, mm-hmm. and all of that. I am Michael's sister because I am super Not proud. Not me, by the way. Not no, me. No. Michael <laughs> Dory Jr. I am super proud of him. And um, he graduated grade 12 and every award imaginable. Um, and then he decided to surprise his girlfriend and throw like a mini prom for her. And we all got dressed up and, and took nice pictures. But yeah, I'm just like super proud of him. And he is a fantastic and kind human being. And then he followed all of that up with buying me a drumstick McFlurry on the weekend. So, yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Michael, congratulations. You graduated. That's amazing. I also want to give a big shout out to my future wife, your sister, for looking fantastic <laughs> as well. Um, it was just an all-around great weekend for uh, for the Dory clan. Rachel, by the way, looked. I didn't even recognize her. I've never seen Rachel all dolled up for like a gala event, basically. And and yeah, congratulations to Rachel. She looked she looked hot as hell. So good for you. Oh God, thank you. I basically like someone was like, "Oh, you look like your mom." I'm like, that is the the highest compliment you can pay me. So thank you very much for that. Yes, because as well, Rachel Rachel's mom is also extremely hot. So oh my God. We, we are we are in here. We are having fun. This is fantastic. All right, let's hop into some hockey because we didn't have a, we didn't have an episode last week because like there was just a bunch of stuff going on. First of all, I need to get a new mic, so I'm not sure if I sound different to you or not. But we straight up didn't have a mic for and me. And I last wasn't time. gonna let Mike record through with his headphones, so we were like, you know what? We'll wait and we'll cover everything on Monday. Yes. And it's going to be much better for everyone. So trust me, we made the executive decision. It was a good one. Mike's it was definitely a good old one. mic is on uh, long-term injured reserve. He has a new mic and it's it is goddamn incredible. Like most of the people I, I date, they uh, they get rid of their old mic and bring in a new mic. Oh, and oh. it's slightly, and but it's slightly worse than the old mic that they gave away. Anyway. Um, no, but it's, it's actually, I'm, I'm really happy with this one. Also, yeah, the, the headphones that I use to record this podcast, like, like not the mic, but the headphones that Rachel came me from, they are the same ones that I use to, to, uh, game online, like to play NHL and stuff. So if you wanted a podcast where Rachel sounds very, you know, professional and composed and her voice sounds compressed and I sound like I'm in a modern warfare two lobby, that would have been then cool. I'm, I'm glad you're into that. Unfortunately, we didn't do that, but Let's do it. Let's get into this. Dave Haxtell. Yeah. That was the biggest news. That came out of nowhere. 
Actually, funny enough, so like we were like we were gonna we were just going to because back when I thought I had a mic to do, we were going to do the podcast before like because we had to do it before this was going to be announced, and we're just like gonna go be like all right, we'll just do it on the assumption that Rick Tockett is gonna get it. Well, like I had been told like by multiple credible people that what happened there, Rick Tockett. I honestly no idea. Um. Obviously, money in Seattle is not an issue, so I don't think it was that. Um, But one of the things that really stood out that they kind of talked about was the fact that, like, Dave Haxtell has really changed his approach in Philadelphia from, like, since he was in Philadelphia. And um, one of the things he was, and I knew this um, just kind of through my experience, but I knew that one of the biggest adjustments Haxtell has made is he is very much in tune with... Um, the minutiae and the analytics and mm-hmm. um, the newer kind of statistics that are available and, and very much uses that as a tool. And so when I saw the hire, when I saw he was being interviewed, because I had heard he was being interviewed, yeah, uh, I was like, you know what? That's actually, that could be a pretty good fit. I still had Talkit as my front runner. But when I heard that, I was like, you know what? I know from just in speaking to people that he interviews very well. Um, mm-hmm. and he seems like someone who does. Yeah. And he is also someone that has clearly shown he can change his approach and, and is amenable to the changes and things that are available, new tools that are available to him. And with what Seattle is trying to do, or at least what they're portraying, they're trying to do. Um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely an outside the box thing. And I think, yeah, like you said, a lot, what a lot of people are judging this on, cause you see a lot of flyers fans being like, ha, have fun. Or like, what a weird like choice. And that was the same kind of sentiment. What it was like, um, when he came on the Leafs, I'm sure you can, you can read my, my story about it when, uh, uh, when I was back with Leafs nation, when, when this happened, but I don't know, he see, yeah, he seems like the kind of person who would interview really well. What I see that happens in sports is these coaches, you know, they, they mismanage or something and then they take some time off and they, they're, they're pub, they're sort of public, uh, relations thing or their, their strategy for it kind of goes out is that, you know, we've, we've started to crunch the numbers and we've, we've become so much more inclined analytically. Um, this happened really like if we're going to cross into other sports, this happened with the current head coach of the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, who got fired in Green Bay um, because him and Aaron Rodgers hated each other. And there was a story where apparently he left like meetings to go get massages and stuff, which was weird. Um, but then exactly. And then apparently he like became really like he basically was like camping out at like the pro football focus offices and stuff and was like super in analytics. And that's what got him the job in, in Dallas. And hey, look, the like I'm as as a Leafs fan, I'm kind of bummed. Like the Leafs defense was good last year. They were markedly improved. And, you know, between those two seasons, um, the first with with like a, the first in the middle of the pandemic with a coaching change, and then now finally with a consistent head coach throughout the the whole year with very little stoppages. I think he did pretty well. Like the penalty kill definitely could have been better, but at the same time they didn't even have a, a consistent center on that. Uh, you know, this is an outside the box pick, but at the same time, who knows? Like it, it's it seems like he could be pretty good. Yeah, I think it could be pretty good. I think he deserves another chance, especially when he's shown he can evolve. Like that's something to me that's. That's super important. And honestly, like, is it a loss for Toronto? Yes. But did there need to be changes? Yes. And, Absolutely. And are people going to be super upset if Bruce Boudreaux is the one to replace Dave Haxtell? Absolutely not. So, and you shouldn't Do be. Do you think you that'll happen? Goddamn thrilled. I think there's a, a 
a minimum 50-50 chance of that. Oh, you think there's a minimum 50-50 chance of Bruce Boudreaux joining the Leafs in an assistant coaching capacity? Yeah. Um, oh, I, that would be great. I could see that happening. Um, I mean, we know what Boudreaux's track record is as a coach, and it is, in the regular season, nothing short of stellar. And defensively, his teams have always been good. So what about what what about this whole like what what about it last year didn't they not like like why didn't they bring him on last year when they could um, he so they wanted someone more um, kind of offensive focused from what I know and they wanted someone that focuses on the power play and um, maybe a little bit younger relating to the players like that kind of thing because they already had mm-hmm. Haxel and uh, I Paul McLean uh, Paul McLean on the bench. Um, well, Paul McLean's not on the bench. He's the eye in the sky. Yeah. So I think for, for that purpose, Malhotra is definitely very good with that. Um, but now you've got a vacancy on the back end. And I think that that kind of jives exactly with what Bruce Boudreaux is strong at. And it never hurts to have a coach with that level of experience on your bench. And a guy who just has like a proven track record. Like he, like he has a proven track record of doing and well. And also, like, has made no bones about the fact that he loves the team. Like, and he's passionate about it. So like it's, Bruce Boudreaux went to school at the same school that my father went to, and was actually like friends with my aunt. Like this man is a Toronto boy, uh, Boylan. I've never heard of that before. I lived in Toronto my whole it's, life. It's um like Maple Leaf. So Jane and Maple Leaf is where the school is um mm, okay, mob, okay like um that Ital- that entire neighborhood is run by the mob so oh terrific we're, we're just gonna leave that there uh shout out rustic bakery love you all um <laughs> shout out the mob not hey, trying to get myself in boom. trouble um it's what seriously the best cannolis um but yeah bruce boudreaux's a toronto boy like boylan is kind of like a salt of the earth school uh he played for the leafs and i think um, based on kind of what the Leafs need, he could be that that presence. Um, he can hype you up when you need to be hyped up. He can tear into you as we, as we yep. saw in 24-7, but he's also a really, really good guy. Like, there's a lot of, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on this at some point, there are a lot of bad people in hockey. Um, mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux, not one of them. Decidedly the opposite of that. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of bad people in hockey. We are going to touch on that because we are recording this mere minutes after Gary Bettman's um, press conference ended. But yeah, so uh, I think the Dave Haxel hire, just to wrap that up, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's, he deserves another chance. I think it's a good hire and I think he will use all of the tools because they have robust tools available in Seattle. Oh, yeah. You know what? I, I really, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, would I have liked to see maybe somebody like Ricard Gronberg get a chance? Yeah. Um, but when I, when I saw it was Dave Haxwell, I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad hire. Like that's, that's fine. I'm just so, I'm so glad it wasn't Rick Tockett. Like a, like, I don't know him as a person, but he just has done nothing in his coaching career to make me think other like in his head coaching career, um, to make me think that he would be like a, like he would fit what they're looking for. Like, I, I, it just, enough. it just made no sense to me. Like, as, as well, like, we all forget that, that he also, like, like was part of a gambling ring on games while oh, right. being in the league. And, like, who, and he, I'm pretty sure he was banned from, from coaching for a bit. Like, he had a, he had a, a ban. I remember when he came back and he was interim head coach of the, uh, uh, I believe of, of the Lightning and it just went terribly for him. Like, it's I don't even remember that. 
Like it's a weird. It, there's a re, like it's just a weird factoid I have in my brain, but it just seemed like that was just such an uninspired choice. And at least at least Hackstall is like our eyes kind of pop. We're like, what? Okay, interesting. Damn. Like that's good. I'm I'm excited for it. Um. All right. Let's talk about something extremely serious. Um. There's no easy way to kind of transition into these things. Um. But we we learned uh, uh, this morning the absolutely tragic and heartbreaking news that David Pasternak's um, infant son uh, passed away. Um, I'm not exactly sure as to the details of what happened. I don't really even think that they're pertinent in this. They literally not important. All that's important is his five day old, I believe, son passed away. The loss of a child is absolutely heart wrenching. It is the, the worst. Um, and I remember when they announced the pregnancy, they asked him about it in the press conference. He was over the moon. He was so yeah. excited. And I just feel like with the guy that David Pasternak seems to be, like, you know that he, there would have been social posts and he would have been all over it. Like, I just got, you know how you get the vibe, like, this guy's going to be a great parent. Absolutely. That, I yeah. got that vibe from Pasternak. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And they said, like, even the Bruins said in the statement, they, they want their privacy. And I can't stress this enough. When someone goes through something like this, speculating makes you the worst kind of person. All, you, all we can do is send your condolences, send your thoughts, because no one should ever, ever have to go through something like this. It is awful. And I just hope that him and his partner, Rebecca, um, are, are doing well under the circumstances and, and feel the support of the hockey community because, I mean, that's that was really tough to read this morning. Yeah, it's, you know, losing, losing a child is probably one of the, like, obviously, it, it's pain that I can't even wrap my head around because I'm not a parent and it just seems too, too terrible to even bear. And we're just sending, yeah, as much love and support as we can to the pastor next. I mean, it's just, just heartbreaking to see. Um, yeah, I, I, there's, again, there's no easy way to transition through a, a, a you know, a, a extremely tragic story like that. Um, all right. So let's just try to do that anyway. Um, the Habs, the Montreal Canadians, if you didn't know, are in the Stanley cup final. Now, have we be, I don't think we've recorded a podcast since they, they made the Stanley cup final. No. So, um, oh, and can I just like, get something out in the open? Like, yeah, yeah, very sure. quickly. Um, I said I was gonna cheer for the Habs, and I got a, a ton of shit on Twitter for saying that, so I'm gonna make this super clear. My stepdad is literally related to Maurice Richard, so <laughs> if I want to cheer for the Habs, I'm gonna fucking cheer for the Habs because you know what? His dad is still alive, and he's really old, and it would be super cool if my stepdad's father got to see, like, the Montreal Canadiens win the cup again. Like, honestly, first of all, I don't really care, like, what you think, but when you have family ties to hockey royalty and that team happens to be playing in the Stanley Cup final, like, do you think I'm going to get away with not supporting them at this point? Like, what? Why were you getting shit for it? It's not like you're, like, an out-and-about, like, proclaimed Leafs fan. Like... Exactly. It's ridiculous. But like, I've obviously like, for years I've made it clear, like I obviously do not like the Habs because I was born and raised in Toronto in a Leafs family. But 
now that my mom's been my mom has literally been with my stepdad for almost a decade like this has been part mm. of my family for like 40 percent of my life now and so for me like would i love to see my stepfather and his father and their family super happy if the Habs win the cup of course i would love to see that like you want to cheer for something like that just think about that for a second like i remember how crushed their family was when Jean Beliveau passed away. It was awful. Mm -hmm. And so just to be able to see like that joy, like his dad is over the moon right now. It's the happiest I've ever seen him. And honestly, I love that because like, let's call a spade a spade here. Like for everyone who knows what July 1st is for me, like it's fucking hard. So to see my stepdad's dad be over the moon, like I kind of want them to win the cup because I want him to, I want him to continue to have that joy. Yeah. And as well, I also want to say anyone giving Steve Dangle shit for, for wearing oh, half jerseys and stuff. Off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want to make it very clear. Shut the fuck up. Like, first of all, that guy's making a living for his family, but also he's found, first of all, the Leafs are giving him no, nothing to cheer for. So like, what's he supposed to do? He covers like, yes, he's a Leafs. He, he, he's, he gets paid. He's like, a Leafs fan. He's a Leafs fan, yes, but his podcast, which is not even associated with Sportsnet, is not like it's Leafs centric, but it's not in like full on full Leafs. Um, he works for Sportsnet. He's not their Leafs correspondent. He's an NHL like content creator, and also he has turned this into a boon for charity. He has raised so much money for sick kids, and so what yeah, I don't like, understand how is, is that you're, bad. <laughs> You're getting mad at someone for raising money for charity and providing for his family, which includes a now having just turned one a um, toddler, Leo Dangle. I'm, I'm <laughs> extremely confused as to what's going on here. By the way, Leo Dangle turning one. Happy birthday, um, Leo. Happy, happy, happy birthday to Leo. He's great. I've already said that uh, you you don't you're not big on the on, on the TikToks and whatnot. Um, no, which I don't do. By the, the way, we, I'm, I'm sneaking up. I'm sneaking a little thing into plot points with my own personal TikTok. Um, but uh, but Leo Dangle is one years old now. I'm sorry. Pan- what? He is w- not one years. He's, he's one years old. Rachel. OK. Yeah. All and right. he like to put it in perspective. I remember like because I, I get up very early and back when I could run consistently. Um, Steve and I would talk on the phone in the morning because we're the only two people who were awake that early, basically. That was so long ago, Rachel. This pod, this, like, we hadn't even started this again. The pandemic was in full force. This has been so long. Knowing that Steve Dangle's kid is one years old now when this pregnancy was like, he was born three months into the pandemic. Yeah. And I remember, like, Steve finding out that, like, I remember that whole thing. Oh, my God. And all of us who are friends with Steve, like, outside of hockey, like, we were all just so happy. And so, yeah, like, Steve's making money. And and you know what? You can't, at at one side of your mouth, you can't say, we want to bring the cup back to Canada. And out of the other side, be like, well, not that team. Like, you either want it or you don't. Am I happy that the Habs are in the cup final? Absolutely not. Am I going to cheer for them? No. Am I cheer for certain players on the team? Absolutely. Like, this is, at this point, I don't have any emotional ties. Like, Carey Price, oh my god, we didn't even mention. Carey Price, like, they, they win to go to the cup final, and Carey Price's mother is re-elected chief of her indigenous na- like nation. And I didn't hear about that. And he thanks her in the indigenous language on national television. 
and says he's proud of her. That is unbelievably wholesome given what's going on in this fucking country right now and the absolute atrocities, right? To see that, I, I teared up. I was like, you know what? That is in and of itself absolutely fantastic to be going to the first cup final in your entire life you are the favorite for the con Smythe trophy and you just take time out of your special moment to not only congratulate your mother on her achievement but to do it in the native language that is so so important and so wholesome and I'm so happy that he did that and quite frankly that alone would make me want to cheer for Montreal to win Okay, you convince me. Yeah, especially at, at a time like this. Absolutely. It's and we will talk about more Montreal being able to play in Canada in the Kovalev shift because I am not happy yeah. about that. Yeah, that's that piss, as a big Jays fan, too. That pisses me off a lot. I'm more, um, yeah. speaking, of Montreal, speaking of Montreal, though, 2022 draft will be held in Montreal. Now, I have in the prep here road trip question mark. Now here I'm going to amend that because here is my prediction. 2022 draft. Keep in mind, this is in the year 2022. I think that instead of uh, we won't even need to do a road trip there because you will be attending the draft as a member of an NHL staff and I will be attending the draft as a credential media member. I think that 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 is my prediction as as to what is going to happen with the with the 2022 draft in Montreal that we won't need a road trip because we will both be going there for professional purposes. That would be fun. I would say you had that in the prep. You had road trip and I was going to tell you one of two things is happening here. One, I am either, your prediction comes true, and I am employed by the NHL, by an NHL team, and I'm at the draft. Two, we won't be doing a road trip, because if I'm not, I will be in Germany. True. Okay. Because I graduate next year, and Mm -hmm. um, I've been definitely quiet about this uh, for different reasons, but... Uh, I owe it to myself to spend some time over there with my family. And mm-hmm. uh, in light of the Euros happening right now and the fact that I, like, I just, I'm not there and I, I usually would be. Um, if I'm not employed by an NHL team, I'm probably going to be in Europe for longer than two weeks. <laughs> well, terrific. But I think Mike is going to be in a, cre- a credentialed media member and if I'm employed by a team and he is not, I will find a way to make sure that he is credentialed. Thank you, Rachel. Let's hope it, let's hope it doesn't have to come to that, but I, then we'll be there. All right. He will be there by personal invite. Thank you. Now, yes. trending up or trending down. Summer's coming and hotter days are just around the corner. Keep cool with the help of our friends at Manscaped who just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer grooming routine with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code STAFFGRAPH. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0, which is truly the goat of all men's body trimmers. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on and off switch can engage a, a travel lock and gives you the ability 
ability to turn the four the four thousand not four hundred four thousand k LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Now, did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower, under the sun, the lawnmower four point is the best trimmer for you. Now, personally. I'm I'm a shower groomer, and this is a, a, a you know a, a gift from the heavens. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Um, the Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor, powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Just the worst. Well, the worst to get. This this is the best product ever. Now, seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations before heading outside. Use the Crop Preserver Down Under deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. And after a long day of trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the summer, heat boosts your freshness with the Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts for their Performance 4.0 package. The Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Now, I use the boxers. I go, I go on runs with them. They're fantastic. They prevent shaving. They're very snug. They're fantastic. And the Shed Travel Bag is also fantastic, too. Bring your comfort and boxers to a new level. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. Stay fresh this summer and shine with Manscaped. Let's go into plot points. Trending up. I'm going rogue here for a second. Mike's anger at TikTok. Now, let me tell you the story of what happened here, Rachel. I haven't told you about this at all. No, because so, Rachel... So, does not do TikTok. <laughs> so I made I made a TikTok. Okay. The tick the TikTok was, um, it's this bakery in. Is it like, the bagel TikTok I, that got like a bunch of things that I yes. heard about? Okay. So it's the bagel TikTok. Um, so it's 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 this bakery with an incredible looking bagel that go that, where they open it and it looks like the most fluffy thing in the world. What is this and bakery I, called? It's I think it's in New Jersey actually. I don't I don't I don't know exactly. What I know it what is bakery you're talking about. <laughs> Really? What is it? Shout him out. It's in Hoboken. Yeah, shout him out. Oh my god. Um, it's I forget the name. It's at the corner of uh, Washington and um the the uh, the first street. It's right by the train station. Um, it's got a blue sign. Anyone who lives in Hoboken knows what I'm talking about. Um, the single bat. Like I'm talking. I've had bagels in France, Mm -hmm. Italy, Germany, Switzerland, Belgium. Like you name it. I've, I've had it. My grandfather's brother, oh, like we have a family bakery. Like I've had bagels. Mm. These bagels, the best in the world. Bar yeah. none. Okay. Carry on because that is absolutely, because it's famous. I'm going to look it up exactly. right now. Yeah. So they, so there's a TikTok. They only have two and one of them is literally like the guy, he's holding a bagel and it was like crispy on the outside, like fluffy on the inside. He opens it up and it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Bagels on the Hudson. Okay. Yeah. So opens that up. So I stitch that. I think yes. And I and I go, I don't like. I want that bagel inside me. I don't care how. I don't care which hole it takes. I just want it to go into my body. So that it was that. That TikTok okay. got one point three million likes. Wow. And and four point six million views, and was featured on like a bunch of different of the a bunch of those like you know random like meme instagram accounts and meme like tiktok accounts or whatever which is great and i'm watching these roll in i'm like that's really cool and people started using that sound because you can record over the sound everyone the horniest side of tiktok imaginable came came about because they started using that sound to make it for like harry styles and stuff where it would just be it would be a like a montage of them and just my voice behind it going i don't care which hole it takes i just want okay so bagels i there are two there are two so, bagels on the hudson okay uh on uh, it's at 8th street and washington or if you're going to the train station 
JP's Bagel mm-hmm. Express. It's like Newark Street and uh, like essentially it's across from this train station. Um, I used to mm-hmm. on when I would take the train, I'd go to JP's. And when I would drive after I had to have a car for very nefarious reasons, um, I would go yeah. to Bagels on the Hudson. So it's one of those two because those are the two best bagel places. Anyways, carry on. I had to shout them out. <laughs> so here's what pissed me off about it. So I wake up the next morning. This all happened in one day, by the way. It was crazy. And I wake up the next morning, and it's being taken down for community violations for adult content and nudity. But it was... For, was I don't... Un- just a bagel? It was, it was literally like the... It was the top half of my face. I recorded it right when I woke up because I went on TikTok. I'm like, oh, that looks really good. I'm just going to make like a funny, like, I want that bagel inside me. Huh? And it like blew up. I appealed it and they rejected it. So here's, and the thing is, I'm scrolling through my, my For You page and I'm basically seeing full on dick imprints. I'm seeing full on like nipples, basically. I'm seeing things that, look, if I were to put right. down a toddler, an impressionable toddler, I'd be more comfortable putting them in front of my TikTok and them not being corrupted than a lot of the straight up like dick shots of guys. I am oh boy. absolutely going on TikTok and finding your uh bagel it was, what it was taken down you telling me i just I downloaded you, tiktok down. to watch this stupid thing and it's not even there you can find like um, if you want to search like you can probably find like like re-uploads of it like people have taken it and re-uploaded it but it's it, yeah so they took it got taken down for adult nudity and content and i'm like what are you talking about it's the top half of my face talking about how i want to put a bagel inside me meanwhile i'm seeing i'm literally seeing like dudes in gray sweatpants i'm seeing full-on mushroom tips like this is ridiculous part of the reason i don't have tiktok is like my sister like she has it she's like big into it like i downloaded it i downloaded I it and like started like scrolling through and like the third tiktok video i saw was like essentially soft porn and i was like Okay. Exactly. So why does Listen, my bagel TikTok get taken porn, down? I'm gonna watch Fifty Shades. Like I don't, I don't need to TikTok about it. Here's the thing. There's the internet. Just go on the internet. There There's a really world of porn is. out there, guys. Like Anyways, you don't need okay. it. Like it's. But so that pissed me off. Anyway, trending up as well. Extremely dumb fan behavior. Now it it became cute. It was cute in Game Six when they won. And then New York Islanders fans started to throw beer cans at their own team um, after they lost. No, 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 game no, seven. no, um, no. So what happened was in game six, Anthony Bavillier scored the OT winner. Yeah. And there's like rally towels you can throw on the ice. But then like people started throwing full cans of beer on the ice and someone actually hit mm-hmm. a player. As if that's not dangerous. Like, maybe don't throw beer cans at the players that could potentially, like, injure them. I don't know. That seems really stupid to me. But this is also coming from the same fan base that, like, legitimately smokes inside the building. (laughs) Like, I have friends who are (laughs) Islanders fans or who work for the Islanders that have sent me videos of people smoking in the building. So, like, are we surprised? And you know what, Mike? That that was, like, the smartest thing a fan did because the other two things are wildly inappropriate. And I don't even think you know about it because I haven't told you. What? Uh, a Spanish player. He playing in the Euro right now. He's he's a good he's a good soccer player, but he, he he's struggling right now to score. And he's a striker, so it's his job to score. And Spain's been struggling. 
Um, people have been yeah. threatening his family as showing up at their house and yelling at them because he is not scoring. I can't even tell you how psychotic you have to be to do that. But then... Isn't this like par for the course in soccer, not though? Not to the degree they're showing up at like his mom's house. Okay. That's crazy. Today, in overtime, he scored the winning goal. It was nasty to send them to the quarterfinals. Um, and that is not even the worst thing. We have now arrived at the single worst thing. The... Hungarian fans, Hungary played three games in the Euro. UEFA is investigating Hungarian fans at all three games for instances of racial slurs, homophobic slurs, and they brought a sign in the stadium that has, like, basically a guy bending over and another guy banging him from behind with, like, the big black, like, do not, like, you're not allowed to do this thing. And the sign, because obviously I can read in other languages, uh, says, like, LGBTQ, no thank you. What? That has nothing to do with soccer. Why? Because wildly homophobic. These are also the same group of people that literally did the Nazi salute. Oh, boy. In Munich. And got arrested. Because in Germany, if you do that, you get arrested, you get thrown in jail. <laughs> it is not allowed. I'm a big, like, I don't know. Like, this is what I don't get. I'm a big, like, Star Wars fan. And when I go to a Leafs game, I don't start shouting out Star Wars quotes that have nothing to do with the game in front of me. So the, where this stems from is Hungary's really, really bigoted president yeah. passed a law that basically bars... Uh, students from learning about the LGBTQ community and from them being in like books and stuff like that. So Munich's response was they wanted to light up because the game was being played in Munich. They wanted to light up the stadium in the pride colors Mm -hmm. and UEFA said no. Oh, fuck that. Of course they did. what they did, what the German Federation did was they allowed Munich, like the Munich town to hand out pride flags to the fans that were going to the game and even better... And we're not even going to get into my connection here, but Leon Goretzka has been the single most outspoken German athlete, like across sport, about um, racism, homophobia, so much so that he's been attacked by the a political party in Germany mm. because he's been so outspoken against it. He scored the goal to eliminate Hungary with like three minutes left in the game. Ran up to the Hungarian fans with a heart symbol and started screaming in German, love is love. That's what I'm talking about, baby. That's what I'm freaking talking about. So this podcast, if it wasn't clear already, yep. because it definitely should have been, stands Leon Goretzka. Yeah, if I'm ever, I probably never will, but if I'm ever going to get a soccer jersey, it will be a Leon Goretzka Germany jersey, for sure. Oh, sweetheart, I will be for sure. You. Oh, yes. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. That's what it's like yeah. having friends in high places, folks. You get, you get the soccer <laughs> you sweat. You will be wearing I have it. the Bayern Munich, uh, 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 what's it called, scarf that Rachel got for me. It's silk. Oh, it's Oh, yeah, nice. the limited edition scarf limited I edition. got you. One, like one of a kind, basically, and, and I'm going to get that. It's, it's fantastic. All right, trending up as well. The media boys are at it again. And I here's let me I put this in a tweet, but let me just say this. Getting windmill dunked on by Grant McCagg is <laughs> is 
the journalism equivalent of rock bottom. Like that is as low as you can sink. Grim McCagg has been wrong 99.9% of the time he's owned that not owned. He has had an account on this app. He, there is very rarely, if ever a time where he tweets something that is factually correct. And, or, or like that meme where it's like the worst yes. person, you know, made well, a good point. Is, he never makes good so points. This is the one time. Ever. This is the one time he did. So Steve Simmons, in his typical Steve Simmons fashion, um, got mad at, about something that A, just seems somewhat xenophobic, but also B... Um, oh, no, it was. Yes. Let's call his face. Okay, so it was very... It was xenophobic. And also just like you did it... Like it meant... It served no purpose to get mad at about it. Like served no purpose whatsoever. Like set, literally just send... So we got, he basically said Mark Bergevin is doing his Stanley Cup Media Day conference right now, and none of the French, actually, sorry, and non, N-O-N, of the French questions or answers are being translated to English. He just used a French word in that. Okay, so can I say something here? Because Steve could have used this as an opportunity to bring up, like, an actual good point, and he chose to be xenophobic about it. What's the good point? So... The, the point here is obviously there are two languages, right? French is a national language in this country, but the majority. So in Canada and the response was fine. Learn French, not hard. But in the U.S., because they are playing Tampa, it's not fair to expect yeah. American media to learn French. What the NHL should be doing is whether the answers are in English or in French. They should be translating or them, them so that all all media members can have access. But more importantly, is they should be closed captioning their media conferences so that people who are hard of hearing or maybe can't hear as quickly or have issues understanding, like just closed captioning the videos so that they're more accessible to more people is important. It's an accessibility thing. And it should be something that is done. If you look at the Euro account, all of their mm-hmm. um, press conferences, like all of the snippets and stuff that they post are closed captioned in English and in the native language so that everyone can can see it. It's an accessibility thing. So Steve Simmons could have said, this is an opportunity for them to make it more accessible for everyone. Instead, he made it about himself. Yeah, Rachel, it's like that would have that would have required critical thinking. That would have required a second to take a step and be like, oh, I I think like let me let me focus my efforts onto this. And instead, he decided to go, well, this is annoying for me. So I'm going to tweet about it now. And here's again, Grant McCagg, the most wrong person on the planet all the time. Comes out of left field and ends Steve Simmons' career, basically. Not career, but his life. So yeah, Steve Simmons' original tweet was, Mark Bridgman is doing his Stanley Cup Media Day conference right now, and none of the French questions or answers are being translated to English. That's an error by the NHL and the Canadians. And Graham McKay goes, thankfully, none of your questions or comments are ever translated into French. I envy the Quebecois in that regard. Winky face. Boom! Oh my god. Got him. The one di- this, this really is a heartbreaking, the worst person you know made a valid point. Grant... As much as you are wrong on pretty much everything, I can't. Like, this is this is the anchor man. Like, God damn it, I hate you, Ron Burgundy. No, I hate you, Ron Burgundy. But God damn it, do I respect you? And this is the one time where I can go, God damn it, Grant, do I respect you for that? As well, Damian Cox. Just when you thought like his Lady Bing thing was like the worst like thing, like he literally not even not even the worst thing he's done this month. Now, why doesn't this guy just shut the fuck up? That's what I don't get. Why doesn't Damien Cox ever just not tweet? 
I like just don't. Yeah, like we we don't. Nobody wants you. Like, stop. would you like to because, explain what happened here? Because it's so, pissing me off. <laughs> yeah. So Tara Sloan, bless her heart, um, a huge, huge ally uh, to the LGBTQ community, to the people of color community, like talented musician, just all around stand up human being. Um, called out the Chicago hockey team for uh, we'll, we're going to call this misconduct right now yeah. because nothing's been proven. Um, so I'm just trying to save myself from libel at this point. Um, and Damien Cox's response was essentially, uh, how about you focus on getting the uh, Blackhawks to change their name and logo and Tara replied with, how about we do that and we hold them accountable for covering up sexual assault? Does that work for you? Like, he went at her. And you know what? Should the Blackhawks consider yeah. that? Yes, they should. Is that the most important Chicago Blackhawks story right now? No. And also, it's not even it's very bit. interesting <laughs> to decide to come after her. You know. Oh, weird. Yeah. Something, I'm sure something tells me if no Tara's name was Terry or... Trevor or something. <laughs> Terry, Terry, you picked a good one because Terry Koshin writes for the Toronto. Sun. Exactly. Like if, if Tara Sloan, if she if she was, you know, Terry Sloan, like I'm, I'm hockey reporter, Terry Sloan. Something tells me uh, uh, Damian Cox wouldn't have been so high and mighty and, and big on his britches to come and try and and dunk on her. But of course, Damian, um, I don't know. It just seems like he might not be the most progressive person in that regard and and you know what should we be calling should we be holding that team accountable for that yes we should but like there are like years where you could have done this and the fact that you're doing this now when there's clearly a in the middle of one of the biggest scandals in this sports history yeah it just like maybe let's put our energy there you know what this is this is damian cox in the middle of a terrible you know like obviously we have to go and say all this is alleged but with everything going on with the Blackhawks right now and we've already addressed why we haven't talked about it fully um so we will eventually talk about some of this uh in the get in the Batman press that's coming up but it just it's just him going don't forget about me don't forget about what I have to say here there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation going around about the Blackhawks how can I force myself into this conversation I'm gonna like virtue signal and just kind of, I don't know, stand on a pulpit and try and make myself seem holier than thou just so people can start talking about me again. So people don't forget about little, little old Damien. The moral of the story is shut the fuck up, Damien. I wish we could make that <laughs> our episode title, Shut the Fuck Up, Damien, but we can't. Also, sorry for the rampant swearing, uh, Rachel's grandma. Don't hit me with a wooden spoon or what, what grandmotherly things um, are usually done. And on that note, we are going to transition to the deep dive. But before we do that, word from our sponsor. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day to day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing 
And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. So here's the deal. Rachel didn't watch this because she wanted me to surprise her. Now, I unfortunately did because Gary Bettman had his annual um I guess pre Stanley Cup final media conference where he answered where he gave a little 10 minute monologue like he's the host of fucking Saturday Night Live. And then he and then he answered questions. And OK, this is probably the most difficult year to do that. A, because of, the, of Zoom um, and all the questions were done virtually. And also B, because the amount of shit that is going on in the NHL right now that Gary, like all of the cracks in the league. So I have a question right off the hop. Yeah, hit me. Um, and I'm uh, like, I'm just going to make this clear. I think the correct decision was made to hold it over Zoom. Yeah, of course, of course. Having said yeah. that, it's being held in Tampa. There are very clearly no restrictions there. Mm. Um, what was preventing them from holding an actual press conference? I have no idea. Like, I wonder what the like. I do. I think that right now we still need to be vigilant and careful because only thirty five percent of the U S. is fully vaccinated. Yes, I think the right decision was made, but I was I I saw that and I was kind of like, that seems like they know tough questions are coming and they would rather do this over. Zoom. And there were tough questions. So I, I have it. There, there were a couple. Uh, were there? Oh, yeah. So there were, there were a couple uh, a couple topics that were breached that I think are very pertinent to this. We're going to we're going to kind of divide them up. Let's talk. OK, let's talk about the the second most serious one. It has to do with on ice instead of, I guess, the Blackhawk stuff. We'll talk about that second officiating. Yeah. Gary okay. Bettman tried to get ahead of it in his 10 minute monologue. Oh, and let he? me just say, by the way, that Gary Bettman did a 10 minute monologue where he where where he, you know, he talked about how the league has acquired 73. I think it is new sponsors and, and how you know shouting out all the you know the valiant work that everyone has done to, to keep this going. Yes. Not once did he mention anything to do with the Blackhawks. Good. Nice. In that te- in that 10 minute monologue. So it, in, a, in something where he had the opportunity. Yes. In the one portion he 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 found the 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 need to get ahead of the officiating questions but not the one about the alleged 
systemic cover up of sexual assault. Um, Not the one where a guy actually went to jail for sexually yes. assaulting now, yeah, a Yeah, that's minor. the thing is okay. that like this guy, regardless, they employed a former sex offender. No, they employed a guy who went on to become a sex exactly. offender. Exactly. So like, yeah, that's that what part we don't have to be careful about. He was convicted yes. and he did go and to jail. And they gave him a letter of recommendation to go and, and coach minors. Um, so that that's tough. So with Anyways, officiating, okay, officiating. So I, I can't necessarily say the first sentence I have here um, in the prep. I'm not sure if you're looking at that, Rachel. But um, let me. Yeah, don't say. Let that. me just say. <laughs> let me just say that Gary Bettman um, got down on his knees and praised the officiating union <laughs> for okay. all their hard work. Um, he has, so basically, what Gary Bettman did. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. What? Yes. He 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 said the NHL. There was praise? He, this is what he said. It was unequivocal praise, Rachel. He said, and this okay. is him getting in front of it, that the NHL has the best officiates, offic- officials in all of sports. And so there are a couple topics here. So one, okay. one was they have the best officiating in all of sports, or officials in all of sports. Two, that the restaurants... Can I just... We're just going to call a timeout yes. there. Um, like, I literally just watched the French lose to the Swiss today. And my overwhelming like feeling about the Euros right now is that the officiating has been absolutely fantastic with the exception of like maybe three games. Like I'm talking about to the point where like in soccer, because things are, are very uh, subjective, but there are, there are mechanisms in place like VAR where you can review like major fouls so that you get them right. Or you can review penalties in the box so that we know if it's a spot kick kind of thing. I have been watching, and this is the first time in my entire life where I've been like, this tournament has been absolutely fantastic from an officiating Mm -hmm. perspective. And it's the best display of officiating I've seen in a very, very long time. And so for this guy to come out and actually say we have the best officials in the world when I there is literally evidence that they're they, they are not like there is current evidence that they are not is something. Yeah. So he did that. Then he also said, and this is another kicker that you're going to love. I just anticip- when I when I when I heard I could hear your reactions when I was watching this. Like I was watching, I was watching this press conference. I could hear your voice in my head because he then went. The refs are instructed to call the game. At the same, like to the same degree in the same way from game one of the regular season to the game when the Stanley Cup is is handed out. That's a straight up lie. Like he lied. <laughs> okay, so as someone who was an employee in the league, I can tell you that I have heard with my own ears that is a lie. Yeah, he, he like, lied. It is a lie. I'm telling you, I have heard it. I've heard it from multiple officials. I've heard it from... A, a GM. I've heard it from players. I, I have heard. It, I've heard it from coaches. No, I'm telling you unequivocally, a thousand percent. That is a lie. Yeah, and he tried. So he tries to clarify it by saying, you know, like, but you know, the the compet the competitiveness and like the pace of the game, like you know, it, it takes up in the playoffs, which is true. So you know, we might have some like it's it's just part of human error. So then maybe call the more penalties that are committed. And so when here's another mm-hmm. example. So he's not my. He's not. Also, can we just say, like, if the, the officials are instructed to call the game the same way, well, the way that you're instructing them sucks. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, Let's just, I just want to get that I'm, out I'm, there. I'm very glad you did, because that's a very important point. Now, here, here's another, he's not my, like, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that Ken Campbell has said in the past. Um, Tell me Ken Campbell brought the team. Ken Campbell came out swinging. Swinging. Ken, yes! 
yes. I was there were so many questions in this where I was just like you could have gone back on this person or you could have like worded it stronger and I'm also when we get into, into Blackhawks questions Katie Strang and Emily Kaplan put on a, a sparkling performance here but Ken Campbell again point out two women yes two women and of course it, it had to be um and which was actually very interesting that I'm I, at least 80% of the Blackhawks like of, of the questions that were asked by women centered around the Blackhawks you know and those happen to be the most condescending answers that they got and we'll get into that as well but Ken Campbell came out and like just started throwing haymakers Rachel it was remarkable I need to find that clip and so basically he essentially said yeah you talk about like the standard and everything being the same whatever so what do you say to the to the like and they can't you know see every call what happens to the calls that they do see and they just don't they don't call. Yeah, like I straight up watched multiple officials just like looking directly at flagrant cross checks to the point where like Craig Buttons called it out, Mike yes. Johnson's called Everyone. it out, Ray, Ray Ferraro's called it out. Craig Simpson. Like even people, yeah, I was just about to say Craig Simpson, even people that would never say anything about the officiating have been like, what? What is this? It's insane. Like we've got Frank Saravalli saying stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Yes, they don't see everything, but when I physically see the official looking at the flagrant penalty mm-hmm. and not calling it, that is a choice. Yes. Unless you're telling me he's skating around with blinders on, in which case we need to have an entirely different discussion. So that was almost essentially what his answer to this was, because he's, what Gary Redman oh, said to that was that the media and the fans have no idea what infractions the officials see and do not see, which cued on Twitter endless pictures of like documented like Getty pictures of refs looking directly at players getting cross-checked in the face you know hit from behind hit to the head all that kind of stuff punched in the face in the middle of a play and not like the Braden McNabb one on Nick Suzuki was so utterly obnoxious it was absurd this was like and it's I can't even, I'm dead. In a normal in a normal press conference, this would have been the most embarrassing display. Now I know he's not going to come out there and slander his own refs union. It would like you know everything, but Gary Batman, like I don't know what he was trying to accomplish here. It was embarrassing. Just say we understand the fans are disappointed, and we clearly need to evaluate how we want our game to be officiated going forward. That's all he had to say. Now here's one thing that really bugged me because we're going to transition to the black. Because let's not questions. forget. Fans pay you money. Oh, absolutely. So let me transition into the Blackhawks questions um, here that he fielded. And let me preface it by saying one thing. One of the things and perhaps the most pertinent thing that disappointed me the most about this is, again, I, I said that this is probably the most difficult news conference that he's ever had to host. Like there are so many scandals going on right now with the NHL. It's in the middle of a pandemic season. And Gary Bettman's up there like he's doing stand-up comedy. He's cracking jokes. He's smiling. While... What? Yes. What he's, do you mean he's cracking jokes? He's like, cracking like, jokes. He like it with the officiating, like every like he got answers and he just like nudging Bill Dale and going like, Oh, this is the same this is the story every year. Like, haha, like he's smiling. Oh, I thought you meant he was cracking jokes about the Blackhawks. I was like, Whoa. No, no, but I'm talking about like we're in the middle like you're in a press conference where the majority of questions being asked about you are about an alleged systemic cover up of sexual assault. And no matter what happens, what what's proven in, in, in all of this, there is still the the fact that the Blackhawks gave a letter of recommendation to an employee who went on to molest a 17-year-old. So regardless, this is maybe not the time 
to be trying out your stand-up act. And yeah, like I only know I know you only have one press conference a year, but like time and place, man. It's like regardless, we're in the middle of the pandemic, A. And also like B, this is like the majority of the he will be going from joking with you know, joking with Bill Daly one question to another question going to circle back to the Blackhawks again, you know, with this terrible scandal and terrible tragedy that is going on. And he has to turn, like, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like a totally dissonant movie where, like, a, a guy gets murdered one scene and then it's, like, you know, a comedy scene the next. Like, it, it made no sense. And it set such a gross tone for this conference. I was disgusted in it. I thought, like, you would think, like, Roger Goodell, when he has to deal with conversations regarding these things, does it, and he's a shitty commissioner, too. But at least he didn't go up, he doesn't go up there and joke around and play buddy-buddy with people and, and, you know, smile and smirk and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is, these are heavy, terrible, life-ruining things that happen to people that seemingly happened under your watch. Like, regardless of what what's, it's proven here, like, you allow a team to give a letter of recognition to it to a sexual predator, and you're up at a press conference joking. That's unbelievable. Yeah, like even if he didn't know about it, which he said he did, and, and right now we have to take that at face value. Unfortunately, he said he didn't know about it, but at the minimum, you need to show the the respect that this is very serious, and not not the if this is what's being discussed at the presser. You know what? If you're having a press conference that's only about officiating or that's about the Olympics, fine. Fine. You know what? Fine. Fair enough. When you have something where a former employee of your league has been imprisoned and is now being accused of the exact same thing while he was an employee in your league, and the the organization is accused of like conspiring to cover it up. Right, and the fact that we know in hockey things get covered up all the time. All the time, teams have fixers like, to do that yeah, one teams job. Have fixers, um, and and so like, I don't care how smirky or snarky you feel like you want to be. When that level of gravitas is involved in any line of questioning within the same press conference, not acceptable. It, not acceptable. It shocked me because Gary Bettman is usually like he's he's a lawyer. He comes he's at very put together, like very, annoyingly. Exactly. He's he says everything in lawyer speak. I picture him like when he, I picture him, his pillow talk being like lawyer speak, basically. I've actually met him two or three times and he's quite a nice human being. Like he's nothing like he is publicly. He's he's quite a nice human being. So I'm kind of like. I'm grossly disappointed in him because not yeah. the, the tone that he gave to answer certain questions, all of them about the Blackhawks. Okay, was so, let's, so let's cover what was it what was, was so said. patronizing. So he essentially he came out. Let me get the I have the they have the I have the actual quote here. So I saw that Stephen Wino asked a question, yeah. um, and I also want to say um, Frank Cervalli, who's the president of the Pro Hockey Writers Association, mm-hmm. did an entire podcast this morning um, with. Jason Greger of all people yeah. uh, with Katie Strang yep. uh, to discuss the allegations. And Frank said something I thought that was very important. And what he said, and he said the, the league is hoping this goes away yeah. and it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we keep reporting on it so that it doesn't. 100%. This feels different than other stuff that has been covered up in the past. This genuinely feels like there are enough people with morals 
that will say enough. Like we cannot, we're fine to cover up your officiating nonsense or like whatever, but we, or, or Ilya Kovalchuk's a contract, but we're drawing the line at this. So like Saravalli's spoken about it. Um, Merrick and Friedman talked about it on the yeah. podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if it was mentioned on Hockey Night in Canada, quite frankly. The SDP Rick has West done heads. an incredible job. Yeah, the it. SDP, obviously Katie Strang and, and Rick, Rick Westhead. Westhead. And and the reporting in Chicago um, as well. But then you're seeing like Chris Johnston amplify things like Tara Sloan. Not that I would be surprised because she's fantastic anyways. But like we're seeing people that we wouldn't generally see do this kind of stuff, right? And I've spoken to people behind the scenes and like there is this kind of groundswell feeling that this is where the state gets put in the ground and they say, if we lose sources or whatever because we're reporting on this, then so be it because this is wrong. And if you are not a part of that, then let me tell you, you are complicit. Mm-hmm. So let And me, that is, that's it. So I, let me just say something before we get into the specifics here. Um, I'm a survivor of this, of sexual, of sexual assault, um, and I will not allow this story, as, mu- as little influence as I have, but I will use the full extent of any platform that I do have to ensure that this story does not go away until, until, it is, until justice is served, whichever way that, that goes. Um, and... The way that Gary Bettman answered these questions was frankly insulting. So, Gary Bettman, Chris Johnson. Honestly, at- like this, this situation is exactly why I didn't watch the press conference because yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. It's a, yeah. it's just way too close for me. The whole situation is just way, way too uh, familiar. Yeah. So Chris Johnson asked Gary Bettman um, what his reaction was. When or no, I don't think this was Chris Johnson, but it was. I think it was. Actually, it was Stephen Wino. It I was saw Stephen Wino. Yes, who asked Gary Bettman on what uh, on what his reaction was when he heard this. Now, this is the weird. This is the thing between like this is so. This is lawyer speak that he's using here to and answer this so question. And just so everyone knows, I am literally like this entire situation has made me so, so nauseous. Yeah. yeah, I am literally eating crackers yeah. right now to prevent myself from vomiting. Yeah, like that's where I'm at with this. So, so Gary Bettman. So it was asked, what was his reaction upon learning this, learning these these allegations? And he goes, the reaction whenever you hear allegations like that are concerning. But my first reaction is tell me the facts. Once we know what the facts are, we're in a better position to evaluate what may or may not need to be done. That is lawyer speak. So you can't you can't transition in between lawyer speak and being, you know, fucking Jerry Seinfeld up there. Because it just doesn't make sense. You're choosing to to be Gary Bettman, the lawyer, one one second with the with this you know extremely difficult line of questioning, and then you're joking around with Bill Daly the next. Like it doesn't make any sense. Now, Katie Strang asked Gary Bettman specifically when he learned about when he first did and how he did. Because Rick Westhead's story came out, I want to say it in, in May. Yeah, this like was, it came out. In the, I want to say towards the end of May. Yeah. So we're talking um, over a month now. So. That question was deferred to Bill Daly, who refused to give a firm timeline on it. But despite the fact that, that immediately is suspicious, exactly. Okay, carry on. Despite the f- so he just he refused to give a, a firm time. So Katie Strang asked, "When did you hear about them exactly, and 
how did you hear about them? Which are two extremely important questions because the when and how are important because how could have been Stan Bowman told me and then it could influence how that, how... It could have been Twitter. It could have been Twitter. It could have been, it, but it depends on the tone that he was told, what bias he was told. If these allegations were told to him by being Stan Bowman being like, yeah, it's this, but it's like bullshit, like whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff. So yeah. Bill Daly said, we, you know, we learned about them relatively recently, but then when asked to give a firm exact time as to when he did, said, I, I don't know, I can't tell you explicitly. So normally that would be a, an excuse used by saying, you know, this happened 10 years ago. We heard about it for so long, I can't remember. But you just said that it happened relatively recently. Okay, so what's interesting here is, is I've, I mean, it's been no secret. Like I've, I've considered being a lawyer and I have lawyers in my family and one of the things that has always been impressed upon me if I'm going to be a lawyer is with stuff like this, you write it down. The NHL absolutely knew that questions like this were coming in the press conference the second they they allowed the press conference to occur. They knew this was happening. These are details where every every lawyer that I've spoken to, every lawyer in my family, everything that I've learned um, have always said, when you are going in to a public forum like that and you know you are going to be asked questions like that, you write it down and you bring it with you. That way, all you have to do is look down and go, um, May 22nd or whatever the day is. That way you have the info there because I guarantee you, they know when that phone call or that email came across. They know what day that was. They're choosing to dance around it when it's very simple because in in regular society, like that, like what, if they get subpoenaed, which- they will. And and it's already been Rick Westhead reported that that subpoenas are being drawn up and issued. They will have to say the next the day the exact day. There will mm-hmm. not be an option. Um, and so I just think it's important. Like I, I, it almost feels like they didn't take it seriously, which I, I can't say I'm surprised. But to not even show up at the press conference with like the bare minimum of like this is when we found out this was our response to it, and now we have to wait because of reasons X, Y, and Z. That would have probably quelled a lot of the questions. But if you're going to dance around it like you say they did, not, not, not good. This also comes in conjunction with a Rick Westhead tweet that came out an hour ago where he goes, Susan Loggins, lawyer for the black lawyer for the former Blackhawks player, calls the team's investigation completely partisan, which means completely biased, essentially. Nobody knows what they're going to be specifically tasked with looking into because the the Blackhawks essentially the Blackhawks, by the way, launched an internal investigation. And he goes, no one knows what they're going to specifically be tasked looking into. And now the NHL is saying they're not going to turn it over unless they like the result. This also comes in conjunction. So what's interesting is I want to point that out. I know who Susan Loggins is. But I also wanted to say this because I don't think a lot of people know this. The law firm, I did see Gary Bettman say that it has nothing to do with the NHL and nothing to do with the Blackhawks, like no connection. I would like to point out that the law firm the Blackhawks procured to do this investigation is the same law firm that defended USA Gymnastics in their scandal. Defended, not investigated. This law firm, and I don't think, just Google USA Gymnastics scandal. I'm not getting into the details. They are far too painful for me mm-hmm. um, because anybody who knows knows I used to be a national gymnast. And so... The fact that they, when as soon as I saw that law firm, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Because that law firm defended USA Gymnastics in the bankruptcy scandal and was part of that entire Larry Nassar situation. So immediately, as soon as I saw that, I said, not, I'm not already not buying it. Yeah. And so 
that also comes in conjunction with, I believe it was Chris Johnson who asked this question, where when the results of the investigation come out, first of all, like, is there a timeline for that also? And it, when they do, will those be made public or kept in-house? And Gary Bettman refused to confirm refuses to confirm if the league will make the findings of the Blackhawks investigation public once it's concluded. So, so from a here- legal perspective, mm-hmm. it, uh, because of the way it depends on how Illinois law works, because this is where the, the lawsuit is. Um, the NHL may not have a choice because if they are deposed or subpoenaed, like whatever the case may be, however that shakes out, if the judge orders the records unsealed, everything gets made public. The NHL can't, what are you going to, you can't go to a state justice and say, oh, uh, we actually don't want those made public. The, the judge is going to look at you and go too fucking bad. Like, doesn't matter. And one of the biggest arguments is, is this is a, a public company. This is a billion dollar company. And a lot of these times this stuff does get like, this gets made public, right? Look at what happened to Harvey Weinstein. A whole lot of stuff. Bill Cosby, like all of that stuff was none of it was sealed. And so even the USA Gymnastics, not sealed to the point where like names of gymnasts and like really graphic information, really graphic stuff. So if the judge orders this unsealed, NHL doesn't have a choice. The results will come out. And I guarantee you, if it gets to that point, probably not good for the NHL. Yeah. So what? So and and. What this is, is essentially the NHL. I, this is them anticipating for the worse. Um, and they are on the defensive. And it seems like if they really are of the belief that, you know, we have nothing to do with this. And this is a Blackhawks matter and everything. This, that should not be the tone that they have. It doesn't do jive. You think, so let me ask you this. Absolutely. Do you think that Stan Bowman and whomever, let's say it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's just hypothetically say, it. do you think Stan Bowman and John McDonough and Al McIsaac, whoever else was in that room, think, do you think they cover it up if they think that the NHL will punish them? Or do you think that they think they'll get away with it if they cover it up because they know that there's no punishment coming? And that's why they cover it up. Like the, the punishment rarely matches the crime here, especially with off ice stuff like we got a full-blown, Cat mm. Silverman pointed out, we got a full-blown, all of our resources investigation into whether Arizona interviewed and inappropriately worked out potential draft picks. Yeah. No crime was committed. We got a full investigation into the Ilya Kovalchuk contract. Literally the farthest thing from a crime was committed. But for when an actual like cover-up of a potential crime oh, we don't, we don't need an investigation. Like, do you not think that Stan Bowman, if Stan Bowman goes, if, hey, if I, if I don't do something about this, like, first of all, where the fuck are your morals? Yeah. But if, if he feels I'm going to get, like, there are consequences from the league because conduct unbecoming a league employee, which is a thing. Um, do you think if that exists, like if that fear exists that he covers this up? No way. No, no way. he would have acted as swiftly as possible, would have thrown that which guy under the Paul bus. Which is what Paul Vincent did. Yeah, and Paul Vincent was told to shut shut up, basically, allegedly. Um, now, here's the thing: is that we know we we have multiple witnesses and multiple former players, and you know, uh, multiple players and um, coaches saying that the meeting happened, like corroborating it. So, like, look at the end of the day, like, unless unless this is like, I, I can't see what the benefit of them lying about that is. 
These are former pe- like employees of this of this place that seem to have no bad blood against them other than this. So what? Why? Why would they? And for Gary Bettman to, to answer the questions like this and to talk down to the reporters, mainly female reporters, that are asking these questions, he the way he answered Emily Kaplan's question is was was ridiculous. He had a smirk on his face when he was doing it. It's 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 brutal. Um, it was it, it just is so unbelievably unacceptable for a, a, a like a major league commissioner. Like I just I was disgusted and. I like I don't have Twitter open in front of me right now, but I won. I, I'm hoping at least that people are sharing my sentiment here because I think Gary Bettman wanted to come into that press conference with a win by announcing all these new partnerships by by saying you know oh we got through COVID and look how much even better we're doing from that and this and that whatever and he could have answered these questions in a very forthright way that would have both accomplished his goal of, you know, being lawyerly and kind of staying down the middle or being, you know, applying with, uh, you know, complying with the legal procedures here, but also showing some semblance of sympathy or some semblance of respect of of gravitas to the situation of seriousness. And he went in there like he was literally, it was like, it was like on one side when he got questions, he liked, it was like he was shooting the shit with his friends at a bar. And when he didn't get questions he liked, it was like some sniveling little child where he was explaining to them why the world doesn't work this way and why your question doesn't work. Like, it was embarrassing. I hope I, I think Gary Bettman should be embarrassed at his performance here. So I didn't think I was going to say this, and I'd thought about it the entirety of, of mm-hmm. the time we've been recording. Um, and I am going to say it. Behind the scenes, obviously, I've been pretty quiet about this. Uh, there's obviously a reason for that. Um, it is a legal one, so I Mm -hmm. can't say much, but I have been told, like, this is where we're at in hockey culture right now. I have been told by like more than a few people, don't say anything because like, don't comment on the Blackhawks. Don't tweet about them. Don't say anything because I can't hire you or you won't get hired if you do. That is the problem. That's disgusting. Right, th- right then and there. That's the problem. And for those of you who know what has happened to me, like for for people to say, don't say anything because you won't get hired, I'm going to come out right now and I'm going to say it. If you work for an organization or you work for, or you are a person that thinks I shouldn't work in hockey because I speak out about a sexual assault cover-up investigation don't I don't want to work for you I don't want to be anywhere near you because you know what I don't want to work for people that think that being quiet about this kind of thing is acceptable I don't want it and so if you won't hire me because I choose to speak out or right now I I I don't other than like amplifying because I believe that's I have like I that's the right thing to do if you think that I'm unhirable because I come out and I say this is bad and that the league has a culture problem. I don't want to work for you. So don't even bother. Don't don't approach me. Don't even bother because if you're the type of person that thinks that this stuff shouldn't be put on blast and shouldn't be international news, I want nothing to do with you. Thank you for saying that and sharing that, Rachel. That took a lot of a lot of courage. So I'm, I'm glad that you did. Because it needs to be said. Like, it's... It's just disgusting. Like, I... I, I 
I don't know. I'm just so deeply disappointed in how Gary Batman handled this and how just like the laissez-faire nature of one what should have been the most serious and somber press conference probably of his entire tenure as commissioner. Um, I don't know. I was just so deeply disappointed. There are a couple other things that we'll hit on before we get to the Kovalev shift. Helmet yeah, ads, just quickly. Helmet ads are back for next year. Um, so they will continue. Obviously, the fans will be in the stadium, so there won't be tarp ads um, on the seats. And there is no timeline for jersey ads, although Gary Bettman says that uh, when asked about that, he did say that the like eventually having jersey ads would make sense. But it's not something that they, they've thought about for next for next season. Oh, interesting. That's a pivot from what he said prior, which is absolutely not. You know what? Honestly, I don't think if, if they're done, if Jersey ads are done the way the NBA does them, I don't really have a problem with it. If you replace the crest they won't. They, like they, they do won't in do soccer, then I have a giant problem with it. But like, I don't have an issue with the NBA ones. You can't even see them on TV. Like, I have I an care. issue. I, I, this is the one time where I'll be a crotchety old guy like. I like, don't love it though. Let's just get that out. I yeah. don't love it. This is the one time we'll yeah. be a crotchety old guy. Like see it, like to see like I don't know, like a Scotiabank patch. It'll it, like Scotiabank is different because it just like it would blend in more and the helmets were nothing. But to see like a patch of a corporation on like a leaf sweater or a hab sweater or something, or like a Bruin sweater, I don't know. It just it just doesn't sit right with me. But, you know, also like I just want to point out, like everyone that's angry about that, like you can buy the jersey and just like rip the stitching out. You know that, right? Like you can literally just take it off. I'm pretty sure they sell the jerseys. They sell the jerseys without the patch. Like that's what they do in the NBA. No, but if you wanted like an official jersey, oh, like yeah. the one that you pay like $350 for, that'll have the patch on it because it's like an authentic one. You can literally like just take it snip, off. Snip, snip, and 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 undo the stitching. Like it's it's actually very easy. I have done it. Very easy. And with the Raptors, like when they have like they they tailor that's the jersey I did it with. <laughs> yeah, they it's what tan- it's a. Uh, uh, what's their like sun life I, I think it's it was, sun life I, it, yeah i think it's sun, i was gonna say i think it's, it's an insurance company and they tailor like the colors of the of it to the jersey so like if it's a red and white jersey the like it matches yeah, it's it it's fine. not like they're diff there are certain like um of jerseys in the nba you see where it's like they just it's like if it's taco bell it's just like a purple taco bell thing on like a i don't know a celtics jersey and it sticks out but no the raptors do that maybe if it, if it works that way it'll be fine um as well the olympics are in jeopardy um, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I think that's posturing. I don't buy it. Okay. Well, they did say that there are a lot of decisions that are being held hostage by this Olympic decision, namely the European games um, that, that the NHL has like yeah. when they go over to Sweden for no fucking reason whatsoever. They um, spend a bunch of money to go over there and it's completely fucking useless. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they say that's being, but they want to get back to that, but the Olympics are held hostage. Um, and as well, next season will begin in the first act, half of October. So basically right on time. That's yeah. what it usually is. So it will be good a- shit. Love that. Good, good shit. Love that, as always. Um, also, the Coyotes are moving to the Pacific, I believe, to join the crowd. Yep. And that is it. Let's hop into the Kovalev shift before we bid you all farewell on this very long podcast that we did not plan to be this long. Oh, it was a great shot. Scores! Alex Kovalev! Scores! It's Kovalev! Kovalev scores! Oh, baby! Rachel? Yes. What are you mad about? Okay, so Montreal is currently the only professional Canadian sports team that's allowed to go over the border. And they're also allowed to have fans in the building. And I tweeted about how that was garbage. And it is garbage. Because Toronto FC, Montreal Impact, who, for those of you who are unaware and were yelling at me on Twitter, plays in the same fucking city as the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. 
the Vancouver Whitecaps, Toronto Blue Jays, Toronto Raptors when they were playing, they've all been told, you're not allowed to cross the border. You are not allowed to... So all the families of players, of staff, like all of those guys, like they've all been away from their families because dating back to last pandemic for almost 18 months. But all of a sudden... The Montreal Canadiens are in the cup final and the federal government is bending over backwards to allow them to play in this country. But heaven forbid the Montreal Impact can play or Toronto FC or Toronto Blue Jays. I get the Jays because from what I know, they've been given the option to come home, but they've also been told they can't have fans. And right now having fans is a revenue generator for them. So that's fair. If it's your choice, that's fine. But to absolutely tell the Montreal Impact who play in the same goddamn city as the Canadians that you can't come home, that you can't play at home and you can't cross the border, but the Habs can, that's trash. And have fans. And have fans. That is absolute garbage. Yes, I know Mr. Trudeau is a Habs fan, but could you at least show a little bit of like a shit about anybody else? Like we have TFC players and Montreal players talking publicly about how, how hard it's been for them to be away from their families for 18 months. Like, that's asking a lot. And yeah. so for me, you can't say the Habs are not only allowed to cross the border, but they're allowed to have fans. But no other Canadian professional sports team is allowed. It's either they're all allowed with the same rules, given the province. So like Montreal, for example, obviously Ontario is different than Quebec. So maybe you say, Toronto, you can come and play here, but you can't have fans. Okay. But in Montreal, where the impact play, there is zero reason the federal government is going, well, Montreal Canadians could play, but the impact can't play. That is just absolute crap. It's it's completely Mickey Mouse. It tells me that you don't give a shit about the actual people. It's it's you're separating families unnecessarily clearly because if they're ready to host the Canadians and they can have a goddamn street party that destroys (laughs) <laughs> the yeah ha- the whole damn block surely the Montreal Canadian uh, the Montreal Impact can play in a 50,000 seat stadium outside surely outside yes Dad Saputo's outside surely Toronto FC can play in a 45,000 seat stadium with no fans in it surely they can manage to do that surely Vancouver can play in an 80,000 seat stadium mm-hmm. with no fans I'm sure we can manage that. But no, let's please allow Tampa and Montreal to cross the border. And now I have media people bitching. Oh, well, I'm American media and I'm not allowed to come. Yeah, you fucking shouldn't be allowed to. Honestly, if teams can't even play here, if people are like fathers are being separated from their kids and heaven forbid you have to to go an extra two weeks and cover the Stanley Cup final from your TV like you've been doing for the last 18 months. Heaven forbid. Like, seriously, fuck off. Honestly, your life is not that difficult. You're a media member. You're going to sit at home and watch a game and cover it from your couch. It's not that bad. Not to mention, like, honestly, I've been to a cup final. Like, all it is is, like, people just want to go out drinking and partying. Yep. You can't do any of that anyways. So who It's all cares? socializing. It's a networking event. It's basically a networking event. Exactly. And so, honestly, the fact that the Habs are allowed to do it, personally, it should be everyone's allowed or no one's allowed especially when it comes to the Montreal soccer team, because that's the same city. I understand if you want to say Vancouver, Toronto teams is a little different. I can, you know what? I can stomach that. But at the bare minimum, the soccer team that plays in the same city should be allowed to come. And that, that, like, it's that simple. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that does. And it also makes sense for us to end the podcast here uh, as we've reached the logical conclusion. So you can find the podcast on Twitter at StaffGraph. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Me on Twitter at MikeySevens81. The podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, any podcatcher under the sun. That's where you can find it. Um, you can also buy our merch at Redbubble, redbubble.com slash shop. And uh, write us a review. We like to hear those positive reviews. Love to know that you, you enjoy us. But And if you hate us, uh, at least write a negative review that is entertaining so we could call you out for being a big old dork. Um, Rachel, until we see these wonderful people on Friday, would you like to leave them with anything? No, we will. it'll be Thursday this week. Oh, it's Thursday, yes. Because we are not recording on Canada Day because, quite frankly, that is the fifth anniversary of the death of my grandfather and I will be yeah. doing nothing that day. Um, yes, I do have things I'd like to say. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, yep. and for the absolute love of God, if the Germans are losing because they play on Tuesday, <laughs> oh no, don't text me or Twitter me about it. Yeah, whether it's DM or tweet, trust me, I fucking know. <laughs> yeah, maybe trust maybe me. stay away I from know. Rachel when that game's happening. I'm like I'm gonna stay far away from from you correspondence wise when that's going well, down. Like Ian texted me while they were playing, and I was like, are You've got to be kidding, right? Yeah. Like, God what damn, are you doing? God damn it, Tullock. What are you, what are you doing? Um, all right. We will see you on Thursday. Take care. <laughs>